Well, good morning, Milton Bible Church family. It's great to be together today. Today, we're gonna to start a new ser sermon series called Promises, Promises, Standing on the Promises of God. And we are going to be looking at those sure and certain promises upon which we can build our lives, stand in confidence and strength. But before we do that, we're gonna talk about a call to prayer. Today, churches across Ontario, some 300 plus churches, are gathering in our region to pray. We're gonna be praying around the pandemic. We're gonna be calling out to God, seeking his face, uh, calling on his mercy and his intervention in this very serious time in our church history and in the history of our country. And I've asked Dave Nelson, one of our elders, if he would come and talk to us more about that and lead us in prayer uh, for this concert of prayer, this very special time that we're asking each and every person to spend in prayer today. Over to you, Dave. Hi, NBC Church family. My name is Dave Nelson. I'm a leader here at the church. Just as we pray about this pandemic today as a church family, I'm just reminded of a story in Nehemiah. If you recall, Nehemiah, he was, a, he was working away from his ancestral home in Jerusalem. And when he heard about the dire circumstances that the city of Jerusalem was under, it grieved him. And it says in Nehemiah 1.4, he says, When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before God of heaven. And in these few words, Nehemiah models for us what our first response to difficult circumstances and hardship should be. He says, I sat down and wept. When I heard these things, I mourned and fasted and prayed before God of heaven. And so that's why we're going to pray together this morning. So let's just pray together. Our Lord, Heavenly Father, we just acknowledge that you are the giver of life, Lord. You've given each of us life. Breathe the breath of life into our lungs, Lord. We just praise you for that, Lord. We just thank you for that. Lord, as we uh, find ourselves in the circumstances of, a, of this pandemic, Lord, you know the hardship that we, that met, so many of us are under, Lord. You know the challenges that we're facing and just the, the challenges, the medical challenges that the medical people are facing and that the, the economic challenges that people whose jobs have been affected are facing. And Lord, just the mental health challenges that each of us is facing as we are, as we are more or less locked down in our, in our houses, God. And Lord, we just pray we just pray that you would um, give us relief, Lord. Give each of us relief to those challenges, Lord. We just pray that uh, against the transmission of this virus, Lord, we pray that we would each of us would uh, do our parts, Lord, as we uh, as we wear our masks and socially distance and stay home, Lord. We just pray that we would uh, that we would continue to be diligent in in those in our responsibilities against that virus, Lord. And we just also pray that our actions would reduce those that virus transmission, Lord. And Lord, we just want to um, know we're just so thankful for the uh, for the development of vaccines that we can be effective in use against this virus, Lord. And Lord, we just we just uh, pray that as these vaccines are rolled out, Lord, we just pray that they would be rolled out across our country and across the world, Lord, that uh, they be done quickly and effectively. And I just pray that people would um, take the vaccines that they need to take, Lord, and that they would be effective, Lord, and and um, especially as we are hearing about new uh, strains of of the of the virus that's coming online, Lord. We just pray that these vaccines would continue to be effective even against those new strains, Lord. And Lord, we just want to pray for our leaders, Lord. The uh, 
of political leaders. They have such difficult job. They have such difficult decisions to make about um, to shut down or not to shut down, when to open up, and who to go to school and when they should go to school. Lord, and we just pray that you would give them wisdom, Lord. Give them knowledge. Give them discernment. Give them supernatural ability to be able to uh, know what to do. And Lord, we just uh, pray that we wouldn't be critical of the decisions, Lord, but that we would be thankful that we have a government that is uh, able to um, do what's best for its citizens, Lord. And we also pray for the medical people that are on the front lines of this, Lord. And for many of us, we haven't seen the insides of the hospitals where, where the impact of this is being felt the, the hardest, Lord. But we just pray for those people, the doctors and the nurses that are uh, facing burnout and that are struggling so much uh, with the handling the, the loads, the additional loads of the patients, Lord. We just pray that you would uh, just give them strength, give them rest, and give them peace, Lord. And Lord, we just um, just pray as we look forward to the day that uh, we'll be able to talk about this pandemic in the past, Lord. But we just uh, we know that that day is coming, and we just uh, uh, thank you for the opportunity that we can still get together as a church, um, and that we can still uh, reach out to our friends and loved ones, Lord, even through technology. And uh, we just thank you for all your blessings. And uh, just pray against this pandemic in our uh, city today. In your name we pray. Amen. Dave, thank you for the call to prayer, explaining it and praying for us and modeling that prayer as we go forward today. So, NBC, let's gather for prayer and let's see God pour out his blessing as the prayers of the many make a difference. Well, today, as I said, we're going to start a new sermon series called Promises, Promises, Standing on the Promises of God. And the purpose of this series is to bring us confidence, to know that there are things during our day that we can count on, things that are truth, things that are a solid rock upon which we can build our lives. We live in an uncertain day, and as I record this sermon, um, it's just a day where the death toll is rising across the world. Vaccines uh, are, are, are running out, it seems, or there's a huge shortage and a lack of the ones that we thought we were going to get, uh, we're not getting. There's businesses that are closed down. People are nervous. The, the COVID-19 variants are on the rise in our country and around the world. And uh, it's, it's just a day of great uncertainty. But we have a great God. And we are the people of hope. And there is no doubt that all of us need hope right now. We are living in a time where there is great uncertainty, but we need not fear. And we need to ground ourselves on the word of God and to understand that there are things that we can count on, things that are sureties, things that God's word says are true and will come to pass. And so we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be scared. We need to understand that God is with us and he walks with us during these days. So for the next several weeks, we are gonna talk about the promises of God and we're gonna gain confidence and encouragement and we're gonna move forward uh, as the people of God, the people of hope, the people who have a promise and a future. Well, today I wanna start right at the beginning. 
with the promise of salvation. The promise of salvation. The promise that we can know for certain that we are the children of God in relationship with him, going forward with him in victory. Let me start with this statement. God is great and therefore will be sought. He is good and therefore will be found. Let me say it again. God is great and therefore will be sought. He is good and therefore will be found. I want to talk to you today about finding God. You see, you and I, we were created in the image of God. And God puts something within us that longs for him, that, that gives us a sense that we need him in our lives, no matter who we are or what we're about. And that need, that void is present until we find him. And it causes us to search for him. Sometimes, even when we don't know what we're looking for, the truth is we're looking for God. The good news is, is at the end of this sermon, those of you who have been searching for God, you'll find him. You'll find him. And you can begin to stand on the promise, the promise of his salvation. Well, we're going to talk this morning about John the Baptist. And he was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the guy who prepared the way. And 700 years before the time of John the Baptist, Zechariah the prophet prophesied that there would be one who would come who would point towards the light, who would point towards salvation. He wouldn't be salvation, but he would point towards it. And before we look at John the Baptist, let me tell you a little story about a fellow, a friend of mine by the name of Joe. Uh, Joe is a good friend of mine. We've been friends for years. And I remember him telling me a story once. He told me a story of he and his wife that went into the hospital to visit somebody. And they went in, it was one of their neighbors that they kind of knew, but not super well. But it was a great opportunity to come to go into the hospital, visit and really care for that person. And he told me, Jim, before I went in the hospital, I really asked the Lord to open up a door that I might share the good news of Jesus Christ to him. So they went into the hospital and they started a conversation and God, who loves to answer prayer, opened a door. Joe had the opportunity to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then at the end of it, he said to this fellow, would you like to pray to receive Christ as your savior? The fellow said yes, and they prayed together. As Joe and his wife were leaving, the fellow in the next bed said, excuse me, sir, could I talk to you for a minute? Joe and his wife went over, and the fellow said, would you mind praying with me too? I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this, just like with Joe, not just once, but twice that day, he got to pray with someone to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And we have a tremendous opportunity to be a witness to the light. And for you who don't know the light, this is a marvelous opportunity for you to receive the light. Today's message is kind of twofold. It's for us who know him as Savior. We need to get busy pointing to the light. And for those who haven't yet received Christ 
as their Lord and Savior, today's a great opportunity to begin that journey and stand on that promise of the salvation that he offers in, in, to each one of us. Sometimes when I listen to people uh, talk about witnessing or talk about sharing Christ, and they sound like they have this incredible burden on their shoulder, this incredible responsibility that weighs so heavily on them. But the reality is, you and I, we don't save anyone. You don't get anyone saved. I don't get anyone saved. It's God that does the saving. It's God that does the saving. What we need to do is simply point to Jesus. That's our role. So we're going to jump in. One of my favorite passages of scripture is John chapter 1. We're going to land at uh, verse 12, a verse that I love, but we're going to start at John chapter 1 verse 1. And so if you have a Bible, I would invite you to open that, and uh, we're going to take a look at that. So John chapter 1. John chapter 1 uh, really tells us a couple things. First of all, it tells us eternally uh, who Jesus is and then effectively what Jesus has done. So let me just read uh, the first five verses of John chapter one. And it says this, it says, in the beginning was the word. Now, I just wanna stop here for a second because every time you see the word, word, that's capitalized, you could just put in the name of Jesus because that's what John is saying to us. So let's read the verses. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now that last phrase, which is very important, the last phrase, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In other words, darkness cannot get a hold of the light. Darkness cannot overcome the light. In fact, darkness can't even grab the light or grasp the light, even though it tries to. And it's a picture, really, of darkness frantically trying to grasp the light, put the light out, try, trying, to, trying to grab hold of it in order to control it. But the truth is, it can't, because it doesn't have any answer. Now, understand this. John the Baptist wasn't the light. We're going to find out that in a moment. But he was the one to point people to Jesus, who was the light. So basically, what he was saying was, listen, we live in a very sinful and dark generation, a dark society and a humanity that is finding out that they really don't have any answers to the problems that, that we face. So they're searching and they're saying, uh, there's gotta be some kind of answer here. There's gotta be some kind of answer, but they keep searching in the wrong places. It is, isn't it amazing that we still think after all these years we can solve the world's problems with political agendas and social action programs, only to find out 
that we never quite get to it and we keep having the same issues over and over again. You know, do you remember the Simon and Garfunkel song in the 70s called The Sound of Silence? Now, for some of you, I'm pretty, dating, pretty much dating myself, and the truth is some of you think Simon and Garfunkel was a law firm. But Simon and Garfunkel were a duet that brought a lot of kind of folk songs. And in one of their songs, The S Sound of Silence, there was this one phrase, Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk to you again. And the truth is we go to darkness because we don't know where else to go. Because it's all we know and we're looking for answers. And you know what? We can apply that spiritually. We have an integrity crisis. We have a moral crisis. We have a political crisis. We have a family crisis. And we go searching for answers. And the darkness is always there waiting for us. And what I'm seeing is I'm seeing people in our day saying, this mess, it's not my fault. In fact, this mess is your fault. This mess is, is your fault. And what's happening in our day is no one wants to take responsibility for anything. No one wants to take responsibility for their share of what is happening and what needs to happen in the days ahead. Do you know there was an article in a U.S. newspaper, and it was written by an educator. And the title of the article was this, If Drug Education Were Taught Like Sex Education in the Public Schools. So this is a teacher writing. Writes in the paper, and it's a picture of him. He's teaching and talking to his class. Let me read it. This is the start of the article. And this is how ridiculous we get when we go to the darkness. The article reads like this. I'd like to encourage all of you not to use drugs at all. But since this is a public school and I am not allowed to inflict my own Puritan beliefs on you, and since I know that many of you will be active with drugs from time to time, today's class will be on how to practice safe drug use. This is a hypodermic syringe. You should use this if you want to inject drugs directly into your veins. Now notice how it is sealed so the user can tell that the needle is clean. It's important to use clean needles when you inject drugs into your body. If you don't have clean needles, check with a school nurse and she will give some to you. It's interesting, isn't it? Darkness always has an answer. And so many times, it's the wrong answer. For Mary and I, uh, just because of things that have happened in our lives, we know far too many addicts and far too many that have died during this pandemic. And even in the past year or so, there's been seven or eight that have overdosed and they've not made it. So I don't use that article or read that article with any kind of joy. In fact, it's, for me, it's a national and, and, and regional shame and, and, and sorrow. And it's something that is so real. 
And it's something in which there seems to be no answer or no help for so many who have such great need. As John says, the darkness is always trying to get a hold of the light. So how can we find an answer? How can we find something that will satisfy? Let's read verses 6 to 8. Verses 6 to 8 in John. Let me just go to it once again. Shouldn't have closed my Bible. John chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. This is what it says. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now the name John means God is gracious. And God certainly was gracious that before he gave us the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave us John the Baptist. John the Baptist who would point to Jesus Christ. John was not the light, but John would point to the light. If you study the Gospels, John the Baptist's message was basically threefold. It was very simple. I would call it the ABCs of John's teaching. So John, here's John the Baptist's ABCs of finding God. A is admit your need. Admit your need. John said that the quickest way to get out of the darkness is to admit that you're in darkness. The quickest way to find your way out from being confused is to say, I don't understand. The quickest way to find your way when you're lost is simply to say, I don't know which way to go. And that's what John says. You know, the number one uh, phrase or the number one word that John uses in his preaching ministry is repentance. And repentance means to be sorry for the things that you've done and the direction that you're going in. And repent means to walk away from the direction that you're going and to turn in your thinking and in your action and walk towards God. A, admit your need. B, believe in Jesus. John pointed Jesus out to his disciples. And one day, as Jesus was walking towards John and John's disciples were gathered around him, John said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John was always pointing to people to Jesus and saying, believe in Jesus. So A, admit your need. B, believe in Jesus. And C, the third thing, commit to follow. Commit to follow. Show your belief in him by changing your lifestyle and following Jesus Christ with all your heart and mind and strength. That is what a disciple does. Now, John the Baptist, he was an identifier, the one who focused on the light to come. And isn't it amazing, after our Lord's ministry, that uh, in the first chapter of the book of Acts, when Jesus was about to go, do you know what he said to his disciples? He said, I want you to stay. I want you to pray. I want you to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to give you divine energy, and he's going to give you boldness, and he's going to give you power. And do you know what you're going to do? You are going to be witnesses for me. 
You are going to be my witnesses to tell the world about my great salvation until I return again. The amazing thing was before Jesus came, there were people, uh, there was John the Baptist who would point to Jesus as the way. When Jesus left, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And you know what he said to us? He said, you church, now you've only got one job. And you know what that job is? That job is to point people to Jesus as the light of the world and the way of salvation. Now let's take a look and see what the light will do. In verses nine to 11, it says this, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Now verse nine says this, the true light that shines on everyone. And in verses nine to 11, there's two important truths here. The first important truth is that everyone gets to see the light. Everyone gets to see the light. Now understand it's not all equal, it's not all proportionate. Some of us, we get to see the light constantly. If you're watching here on you know, Facebook or YouTube, you're, gonna, you're, you're watching the service today, you're gonna get prayer, you're gonna hear songs, you're gonna hear scripture read, you're gonna hear the word of God preached. Listen, anytime, you know, many of us, we can go online and we can Facebook we can you know, Facebook the message of salvation, we can YouTube it, we can download podcasts, all kinds of things. We can be completely inundated with the light, but not everybody gets that opportunity. But John says, everybody will. Now, secondly, second thing he says is everyone gets to see the light, but not everyone accepts the light. Not everyone accepts the light. You know what, just because you know about the light and you've seen the light, it doesn't mean that you possess the light. It's one thing to know about God, but it's a completely other thing to know God. In the creation of the world and of man in the void within us, God's light shines brightly, yet not everyone accepts the light. That's why it says in verse 11, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Now, John was speaking of the Jewish people here. You know, I heard a story by a rabbi which said, you know, when the Messiah comes, we believe the Jews are going to say welcome. We believe the Christians are going to say welcome back. And Jesus is going to say, no comment. It's a cute story, but that's not exactly what's going to happen. What is going to happen is Jesus is going to return and the Jewish people are going to say welcome. And the book of Zechariah says that they're going to look at his hands and they're going to say, what are those marks in your hands? And Jesus is going to say, those marks were put there by my friends. And, Jewish, and then the Jewish people are going to realize that Jesus is the Messiah. And that is exactly how it will happen. Now, let's get to the promise. Verse 12, I love this verse. John chapter one, verse 12. 
If you've been around here, you've heard me quote it before. Let me read it to you. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, what we, what we have here in verse 12 is we have basically two parts. We have a, pro, a premise and we have a promise. We have our part and we have God's part. So first of all, let's look at our part. Our part is believe and receive. Those are the words that are said. And the word believe involves not only an intellectual assent, but it means an appropriation of the truth of who Jesus is. The word receive means that they accepted his message about his person, the purpose of his ministry, and they entrusted themselves to him. And it, when, when it says they believed on his name, the, when, when, when in, in the New Testament days, when they talk about someone's name, they're talking about the person. So believe, receive. It means to receive, believe, and appropriate everything that Jesus is, his message, what he has done, and a full commitment to follow him. That's what those words mean. That's the premise before the promise. That's our part before God's part. Now let's look at God's part. It says that he gave the right to become children of God. And the word right there refers to authority. It refers to this is exactly what is going to happen, how it's going to happen, and it's God's stamp of approval. Do you know, in my driveway, I have a car that sits there. How do I know it's my car? Because I have a little ownership paper by the province of Ontario that says, this car belongs to Jim. What John is saying, it's not the government. It's you, you are not a child of God because the government said so, or because you've made a decision that it is so, or and, and not that you've, you know, become a pastor or gone to seminary or you bo were born into a Christian family. No, no, no. What <clears throat> the reason we know that we are the children of God is by the authority of Jesus who declares when we place our faith in him, our trust in him, when we receive and believe on his name, he gives us the right by his authority, God alone, that makes us children of the living God. That is far more authoritative than any other promise you will ever receive from anyone else. That is a promise from God. And you can take that to the bank and you can build your life upon it, that you are a child of God, having believed and received the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done. You know, sometimes when I talk to kids about this, you know, I, I take out uh, a little bit of money and here's a $50 bill. And what I say to them, I say to them, you know, how many of you would like uh, would like this $50 bill. And of course, a lot of kids put their hand up and if you're watching online right now, and you know, I'd ask you the same question. How many of you would like this $50 bill? Just write, amen, it's mine, you know, that kind of thing. And as you do that, I want you to remember this is just an illustration. So what I do, the kids, you know, hands they're shooting up 
And then I would just choose one child and just basically say, hey, do you believe that this is your $50 bill? And they would say, yes, I believe it. And then I would take the 50 and I would just put it in my pocket and I'd say, great, it belongs to you, but it's gonna stay here. Is that okay with you? And of course they're smitten. And some of you online, you are smitten too. And then I would say, now come on. It's not only you have to believe it's yours, you have to receive it's yours. And so I would just hand that $50 bill or whatever it would be, usually it would be a little smaller in a class. And I would just give it to that child and I would make sure there's something for all the kids. And I would give them that 50. And so not only would they believe it's theirs, but they would receive it's theirs. You know what, it's not good enough. Uh, it's, it's, it, the Bible says that we need to believe and to receive, to fully appropriate, to fully accept, to fully make our own, and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart and soul, our mind. And we become children of God, not just because I've said it or because you've said a prayer or whatever it is, it's because God said it. And it's by his authority that we are the children of God. What I'd like to do right now, just as we come to the close of a service, we're gonna uh, observe the Lord's table in just a moment together. But before we do, I really would like us to pray a prayer of salvation. And what I mean by that is, if you have never trusted Christ as Savior, I would invite you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to pray, and I'd just like you to repeat what you hear. You can repeat it out loud, or you can repeat it in your heart. But just pray this prayer. If today you would like to stand on that promise of salvation and receive Jesus Christ and put your faith in him, believe on his name. And so we're gonna do that. So let's pray together. Maybe also if, you know, you've been in this pandemic and, and you know your heart has turned far from God and, and you need to make a new uh, statement or a new day or something needs to happen within you that you need to go forward with God, maybe this could be a prayer of recommitment that you would embrace the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and give your life over to him once again and to begin anew. Let's pray together. Father, we wanna admit that we need you, that we are lost without you, that today we have a void in our heart that is crying out for something And so we want to admit that we are a sinner in need of a savior. We admit that we cannot do this by ourselves, that I have a void in my heart that only you can fill. And so I profess my belief in Jesus that he died on the cross for my sin, that he rose again and ascended into heaven. 
and, we, and I trust in him with all my heart and soul. And I commit my life to following him from this day forth and for the rest of my life. Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord, my King, and my Savior. Amen. If you've just prayed that prayer, what I'd like to do is um, just to reach out to you and offer you a book to read. Uh, this is a book that we've given out dozens of dozens of them over the years. It's a book entitled More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. And if you are beginning or you are rekindling a relationship with God, uh, this book will be a great blessing to you and just talks about who Jesus is, what he's done, and how Christ can be such an amazing encouragement to your life as you walk with him and receive him as Savior. I, I want to send that to you. So if you'll send me a note, jim at miltonbiblechurch.ca, I'll get that in the mail this week. You'll receive that, and, and it's just an encouragement to you. Um, we want to bless you with that. With that. Now at this time, what I'd like to do is observe the Lord's table. So for you, if you've just prayed this prayer, this is a, a, a time of celebration. If you've just recommitted your life to Christ, this is a time of proclaiming your faith in Jesus. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a few verses of scripture, and then after that, we are going to eat and we are going to drink together. So let me read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and this is what it says. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so now what I'd like to do, I'd like to invite you just to take a bit of bread. And the bread, of course, represents the body of Christ, the body of Christ that was broken on the cross as Jesus bore our sin and made a way for our salvation. I'd invite you to take the juice or whatever it is you have that uh, you're using for this commemorative time. And to know that this juice is a symbol of the blood of Christ, which was shed. The blood of Christ, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so Jesus, who fulfilled the scripture, the Old Testament law and the prophets, shed his blood so that we might have forgiveness of sin and that making a way into a relationship with Christ through faith in him. So let's celebrate, let's proclaim, let's declare our faith in Jesus by eating and drinking.
Well, we've come to the end of our service today. And my hope is that during this series, the promises of God, standing on the promises that are sure, standing on the promises that are secure, standing on the promises that come by way of the authority of God's word and, and instituted in the power of the Holy Spirit. May we stand strong during these days with hope in our hearts, knowing full well that we are his children, safe and secure, and going forward together in him. I love you, church. It'll be soon that we meet again in person, but until we do, let's continue to gather online, loving one another in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great week.